I've said it before, and I'll say it again. There's something to this whole soulmate thing when it comes to the arts. Well, if there was such a thing as a gallery soulmate, Gamut Gallery might just be that to the Rogue Buddha Gallery. To find out why, join gallerist Cassie Garner and myself in conversation in four, three, two. Hello, art enthusiasts and art lovers. Welcome to episode 22 of Art Wonderful, the podcast where art is a religion. I'm your host, Nicholas Harper. I'm broadcasting from my art studio deep within the Rogue Buddha Gallery that's here in the heart of the Northeast Arts District in beautiful Minneapolis, Minnesota. I want to thank you for joining me as we explore everything the arts has to offer. It's the mission of this podcast to spread the gospel of the arts, their essential value to our everyday lives, and to offer a deep dive exploration into this most mysterious of subjects. You can learn more about myself, the Rogue Buddha Gallery, this podcast, and those we have on the show by visiting us online at roguebuddha.com. Click podcast from the menu. One of my favorite things about this podcast is that I get a chit-chat about all things art with other art professionals, namely other gallery owners, curators, and directors. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by fellow gallerist Cassie Gardner of Gamut Gallery. Gamut Gallery is located here in beautiful Minneapolis and has distinguished itself as one of the most vibrant and provocative galleries not just in Minneapolis, but for miles and miles and miles around. I guess I could just say region. Anywho, behind any great gallery lies a great gallerist, and Cassie Garner is exactly that. Her energy, passion, and love of all things art exudes from every pore and is exemplified through and through at Gamut Gallery. So without further ado, let's just get into the conversation, shall we? Cassie Garner, it's a huge pleasure to have you on the show today. Um, I've wanted to have you on the podcast since pretty much day one, so it's a huge honor to have you here. Thanks, Nick. The honor is totally mine. It is crazy that, yeah, you invited me to be a participant well over, it feels like a year ago, and I can't believe it's finally taken us a year to get here, so thank you for having me. Absolutely, yeah. It's crazy how time flies, especially uh, this last year, but... um... By way of introduction and introducing you to the uh, listeners, Cassie, uh, you're involved with Gamut, super awesome gallery here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And um, can you tell us what your what your role with Gamut Gallery is? Yeah, absolutely. I'm kind of the Jane of all trades over there. So my uh, lead role is the gallery director. I also am one of three co-owners of the space um, of the original nine founders that we were in 2012. Um, I also do the curation of the gift shop. I do the graphic design. I am the social media context developer and kind of just, you know, dabble around with whatever's going on. So you mentioned since 2012. So you were one of the original uh, founders and Gamut began in 2012. Correct. Yeah. So we're coming up on nine years, which is crazy to think about. 
that's and congratulations. Most galleries thank only you. make it a couple of years, so you guys have are around to last, which is good. Yeah, the trick is that you have to do it for the love of art, because if you're not doing it for the love of art, you're not going to succeed. Um, I don't know if anybody knows, but the payoff is not that great monetarily. <laughs> Shh, don't tell people that. We're I know, we don't want to ruin the surprise. <laughs> um, How did Gamut Gallery really come about? So Gamut Gallery came about in 2011 on the behind the scenes aspect. Uh, we opened our doors in 2012 and um, Gamut was founded by nine individuals and all of us got together through um, art and music. So we met on the dance floor and Jade Patrick, one of the co-owners of the space and the original director had started this art night called Collab Art Night. And so after all making art together for five years, um, the space above where we had been making art became available. Uh, JP, the other third owner of the space, wanted to open a music school. So he opened Slam Academy, which still exists in Northeast, okay. and planted the seed in Jade's head to open an art gallery. And this was in a different location than you are now. Yeah. Original yeah, was where? We were on 10th and Marquette, so right across the street from the Hilton, uh, it was the Handicraft Guild building. Okay. And what so happened, there was kind of, uh, kind of a, well, stuff happened with that building. What? Stuff did happen with that building. It was really unfortunate. Um, we kind of knew that like our time was not going to be forever in that space, but it still kind of came as like a really sad day when we learned that the building had been sold and was going to get demolished and turned into condos because we need more of those in Minneapolis. Welcome to Minneapolis, land of 10,000 lakes and 10,000 condos. Oh, isn't that the truth? Um, you know, it was kind of like a blessing in disguise. We were at that location for three years and it's how we got our footing. Um, none of us knew what we were doing when we opened an art gallery. You know, we were nine individuals with nine different skill sets and through the power of doing and coming together and wanting to do cool things with cool people, we really fine tuned operating a gallery space. So when it was time to relocate uh, to where we are now in Elliott Park, uh, we aged greatly with what we had learned. And now we kind of call it Gamut Gallery 2.0, the adult version. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's, I guess we share a lot in common from the get-go of a art gallery. Because I too, like, you know, no background. And I had the art background as an artist, as a bad artist, <laughs> when I started the gallery. And hopefully still improving. but. Uh, but yeah, zero experience owning a gallery, probably zero, uh, uh what's the word? That's unbelievable. Cause I can't imagine a, you being a bad artist that makes me go, Hey, Nick, show me some of your bad art. Cause I don't <laughs> believe it to be true. <laughs> I'll have you to the basement in the gallery here one of these days, bust out the vault for you. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm holding you to it. Sweet. I can't say often enough just how much I love Minneapolis and the art scene that we have brewing up in here. 
It's a real honor to be a part of a community with the likes of Gamma Gallery and to work with and alongside so many talented people and organizations. One of those organizations that really helps tie everything together is our partners over at mplsart.com. Not only do they provide an essential gallery guide for the Twin Cities, but they're on top of each and every amazing event that comes down the pipeline. And on top of that, they offer some amazing writing on various arts-related topics. They really are a one-stop shop if you're looking to see what the Minneapolis and Twin Cities art scene is all about. If you're looking for something to do in person or experience online, visit mplsart.com today. That's mplsart.com. How would you say that your the gallery has grown from 1.0 to 2.0? Like, in what way has it has it matured and and expanded and grown? You know, just even from like the simplest of aesthetics, uh, we used to have power cords at some point in times running out the back of the old gallery space into a friend's loft space so that, you know, we could uh, have power for events on occasions. And we had really bad linoleum floor that would bubble up in the heat. So there would be some of us strategically planted during events and exhibits to keep the floor in place <laughs> so it didn't you know mound up uh and in our old space we had we had this beautiful alley it had i think some of the best views of downtown um but in the new space we traded in the alley for this courtyard which we couldn't be happier for it's kind of like a little secret garden come spring and summer and uh yeah we have beautiful storefront windows that go from the floor to the ceiling. The space is larger. We're in an actual like neighborhood, which is fantastic. We're surrounded by other creative businesses. We have a barber shop, a hair salon, a tattoo parlor, um, a, like vintage clothing store is gonna be going into us pretty, pretty soon next to us, which is really exciting. Uh, and just feel like we have better roots in this location. And probably most importantly, you have electricity. We do. We have power. We have. Yeah, we always have power. power. <laughs> I swear, our, the the comparisons between Rogue Buddha and Gamut are just limitless. Um, I remember at our first location, we uh, our internet was borrowed from two doors down, and like through this Ethernet line that went outside and down the alley and in our into our space, so we shared internet. Well, you know, when you're just starting, it's really great to have those partnerships. Definitely. Uh, you know, that's the other big difference with the new gamut, new old gamut at this point, we've been there for five years, is we cohabitated in the first gallery space. Mm -hmm. So part of the week, it was gallery, and on the weekends, it'd be exhibits and events, and during the week, it was an electronic music school. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's also how we were able to survive is because we split everything, split the rents, split the bills um, until we were able to like really get our feet in the ground. Yeah. And then we both just, our both establishments just became too big. And so it was this like beautiful separation of growth so that uh, the gallery and the school could like continue to blossom and become what they are today. Yeah. Again, we have something in common. Um, to help float the Rogue Booty Gallery. That was a, a thing that we did. We threw quite a few 
underground parties and uh, a little rave-esque type of soirees that um, there was one time, in fact, we got shut down. The cops showed up and shut us down and they were like, what is this place? And I said, it was a gallery, but we had, I had taken all the artwork off the walls because, yeah. you know, there's a lot of commotion going on during the party. So they're like, well, where's the art? And I showed them the closet and it's just all packed in there, stacked up. But uh, yeah, we threw, we threw quite a few parties for a number of years to help pay the rent. I was probably there at some point in time. <laughs> probably, probably. Yeah. And then in fact, we threw these um, red light, red light parties that, um, we would go around, we would start the party. This was back when uh, bar time was like one o'clock, I think, if I remember correctly. And uh, we would start at one or one thirty in the morning. So we yeah. would hit all the clubs downtown and flyer, and then people would show up at one thirty. And I had this, this horrific red lamp that I had bought in Detroit and had shipped back here. And it was just got awful ugly, but amazing for some sort of artifact yeah the name of party after so yeah we did that, that is so awesome the things we do to to uh the things that instigate galleries and that we do to float them yeah but now we're yeah. rich and famous so now we're rich and we're famous and <laughs> did you guys start out with a specific philosophy to the gallery what you wanted to show and exhibit or have you grown into something we've had the same philosophy pretty much the whole entire time which is that we believe that um, art is for everyone and we wanted to be an inclusive space and I guess uh, as we have gotten a little bit older and more established we've also added into that verbiage that everyone should have access to becoming a collector which has always been part of our MO as well it's just nothing that was ever really written out but we've always kind of prided ourselves in being like the affordable gallery space and have set out to be in a sense, the, like the anti-gallery um, in the way that like how you get treated when you come in through the doors. You know, we had, we each had our horror stories of being young and going in the gallery spaces and just feeling like we weren't supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. And um, nothing will make you feel worse than that when you just want to go in and look at something cool. And we also, are encouraging that like you don't have to have an art history degree to come in and like art and look at art and I think the society these days art is terrifying to a lot of folks that don't have it in their life or they don't know how they're supposed to experience it or how they're supposed to take it in or if they like something for the right or wrong reason um so we just always wanted to like have those implications not be part of who we are Mm -hmm. And with the name Gamut, you know, that's like the full ray, it's the full spectrum, it gives us the ability to show every type of artwork, you know, under an umbrella. So there's no limitations. Mm -hmm. And we've always been pretty primarily focused on um, emerging artists, which is a big part of who we are. We work with more emerging artists than established artists and kind of always have. Mostly local or national or? Um, mostly local, not to like totally hone in on that. We do work with out-of-town artists. Um, we've made some great connections with people from California that have submitted to call for work shows. Um, we're actually having a show 
come up this summer where many of the artists are from Mexico. And then uh, the other grouping of artists are going to be from Chicago and then the Twin Cities. So it's going to be a really dynamic group show of people from all over the world, which is yeah. really exciting. Um, and But we don't try to do too many of those because, Nick, I don't know if you've noticed, but like Minneapolis and St. Paul like really love Minneapolis and St. Paul artists. Mm-hmm. And it's been um, kind of hard sometimes to get people to come and support people who aren't local, no matter how good the art is. Really? There's just something about that hometown pride that people really cling into. You know, know, we're Minneapolis, like Minnesota's clicky. We're the first person to ask you out to coffee, but we're never going to give you our address on how to get there. (laughs) (laughs) If they're paying, they're going to get my address. (laughs) (laughs) If they're paying, I'm there. You know, for me with the Rogue Buddha, it's been, um, it is tougher for out-of-town artists just because there's not the name recognition necessarily here, unless it's a, a really big name. If it's a an emerging artist from out of town, that can be tough, um, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But kudos to you for doing that, and I hope you continue to do that, because I think that's actually one of the things Minneapolis needs more of, is out-of-town artists coming here um, and exhibiting. Have I mentioned that I like Minneapolis before? Well, I do, it's true. And in particular, I love the neighborhood I was born and raised in, and now which plays home to my studio and art gallery. That, of course, is Northeast Minneapolis. Now, there are literally hundreds of artists and studios in this neighborhood. If only there was a place to visit and explore them all online. Oh, wait, there is. Our partners over at NEMA.org. They not only organize one of the largest and coolest art tours in the country, if not the world, art world, but they have an extensive list of member artists with links to their stores and online resources. You can literally spend days sifting and exploring as you search for your next art soulmate, and I recommend that you do just that. Again, that's at nema.org, N-E-M-A-A.org. Well, yeah, I don't know about your experience, but the people that we have brought here that have actually been able to come and attend the exhibits, they're like first-time Minnesota visitors. Yeah. And they they all just are just shocked. They're like, I didn't know Minnesota was this great. Oh, <laughs> what, you know, all these things. We took an artist to a, the last May Day parade. Oh, sweet. And he, you know, he was like, oh, my God, I haven't been something like this, you know, since I was like in my youth and living in such and such town. Like, this has totally reminded me of like my friends and my people. Like, this is amazing. I can't believe this is happening in Minneapolis. How does nobody know about this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, (laughs) well, now you know. Now you can tell folks. Totally, totally. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that's the kind of the weird thing with Minneapolis, too, is we've got a, we're really well known for theater and for dance and for music and it's like the visual arts are the last cultural peg that needs to be like you know we've got amazing artwork here we have thousands Mm -hmm. of artists thousands of studios um i was just looking at a map the other day on mplsart.com of the galleries in minneapolis and you think like you know oh there's not a lot of galleries in the twin cities until you look at the map and there's a ton we just don't have like a gallery row 
galleries. Mm -hmm. you, you know, we don't have like a little district of galleries. Our, our district is studios, but the, there's tons of galleries. They're just more spread out. Yeah. Yeah, with that, you know, it's been really hard to try to organize art crawls. That was something that we were trying to bring back up for a while when we were still downtown. Because mm -hmm. uh, we were by like Gallery 13 and Instinct Gallery, both spaces which have long gone out of business. Circa was part of that gallery crawl. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just everybody was too spread out, yeah. you know, but, and people wanted it. But it was just unfortunate that like kind of art overall is what hits that mark for folks because it's all in Northeast. It's all within walking distance and it's hundreds of spaces and hundreds of artists. Um, it's just gotten very drunk, which is unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was there was a time, this is probably five years into the Rogue Buddha, um, because it takes a lot of work too, to organize something like that, to find mm -hmm. somebody who's willing to do that kind of like work to organize. And um, Kelly Ray Tice from Tice, Kelly Ray Tice Gallery did this when you're, there was um, the Twin Cities Fine Arts Organization. And I think it's still around in some form today. Um, but back then she was running it and really organized it. And she put together this gallery tour that included the museums and had support from the Art Institute and the Walker and the Wiseman. And it was insane. It was, she created these passports where um, you took your passport to each gallery, each gallery had a stamp. And then at the end, once you had so many stamps, you turn that in and there was a drawing for a trip to Paris for two for what? a week. Yeah, with the, with tickets to the Louvre. I mean, each gallery paid in to make yeah. it happen, but it was amazing and it brought so many people. And then unfortunately, it, there was just not enough gumption to keep it going forward. And then, you know, Kelly eventually um, kind of retired from the gallery business to become a full-time artist herself. So yeah. out of town, but um, it was like, oh, if we could do that again. It's, you know, so if you're, if you have some free time, Cassie, and you're looking to organize something <laughs> like this, sign me up. Gamut's out at that, at this point of trying to make that happen. But I bet there's somebody listening that has all the energy and all the motivation and all the gumption. Totally. And they should reach out to Nick <laughs> and make this happen. Because <laughs> <laughs> we have two galleries on board right now. Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, when they remind me too, how long has Rogue Buddha been around? Uh, 20 years now. 21 years. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's a really, really, really good thing. Remember when we started this off, galleries don't normally make it more than a few years? Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been crazy. It's, I have to say though, like this last year of COVID has actually been kind of a much needed relief, you know, or a, a much needed respite. You know, I've been closed pretty much the whole time and uh, with exception to a couple private events and private viewings and whatnot. And um, for me, it's been a nice respite and break from curating and organizing events. And, you know, kind of like you, you know, when, <laughs> what's your role with Gamut? You know, for me, it's curator to bathroom cleaner, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Nice to, yep. Yep, even even owners scrub toilets, guys. <laughs> I mean, that's glamorous. We're rich and famous. <laughs> we're amazing. <laughs> no. oh, we're, yeah, we scrub toilets. We sweep and vacuum. <laughs> oh my god! I love that we're like lifting the veil for people to see behind. <laughs> I 
promise it's oh. not for pity. <laughs> and the donation button can be found yeah. on our website. <laughs> Nick will give you his address if you want to take him to coffee. <laughs> Oh my god, <laughs> that's awesome. It's not even as high as lunch, it's just coffee. Just buy me a dollar coffee. I'm not even asking for lunch. McDonald's, six creams, six sugars. I know it sounds excessive, but it will blow your mind. <laughs> oh my god, I'll get my own muffin. Um, we'll be fine. Oh, uh, jeez. So, um, going back to Gamut, yeah, can you explain? I mean, I know you said that, um, well. It's in the name you show the gamut of art. Um, does gamut ha have sort of an aesthetic that is describable, or is it really every show is completely different from every other show? How how does the curation kind of work it from that end? Yeah, you know, so this is a question we often ask ourselves, right? It's like, what is the connective tissue? And um, in the past, the connective tissue has been juxtaposing exhibitions next to each other that are pretty different, right? Mm -hmm. So you could be seeing a all-feminist abstract show, and then the next month it might be a bunch of local graffiti artists, you know? Like, mm -hmm. we're, we're really like to just get adventurous and um, leave people guessing. Mm -hmm. I often joke, but I say this often, the one thing you will generally like not find at Gamut is probably a landscape painting with like a red barn and a cow hanging out. Um, yeah. Just because like that, that is not who we are. You know, yeah. we are a low brow kind of gritty establishment. And um, that's a lot of the artists that we I showcase and work with. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. And like, I can't think of another gallery necessarily that fills the niche that you guys fill, you know? Yeah. You know, I often will reference like Oxop mm -hmm. um, from back in the day. If anybody doesn't oh, oh. know, that was a really amazing space ran by Tom Hazelmeyer um, behind Grumpy's in like 2002 to 2004. I think it was just a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. But uh, he, I mean, he showed the kings and queens of lowbrow art. And, you know, I can, I mean, yeah, I just remember being super young and going into that space. And this is ever, this is way before the, the idea of a gallery was ever in, in my mind's eye. Yeah. And just thinking like, that was what I thought was the cool gallery vibe. Like, yeah. that's what, you know, that's where I wanted to hang out. And that's where I wanted to buy my art from. And so that has been a total, um, seed that like I, I personally have like never let go of yeah oh and he like he was um he knew what he was doing he had like the likes of Dalek and Camille Rose Garcia Swoon Junko Mozuno uh yeah like Sh Shepherd Fairy when he was still kind of a baby and unknown um, yeah right isn't that crazy yeah yep <sighs> don't yeah. you wish he had just bought everything from every show from Oxap, yeah, like yeah. Who all those people, like especially the one, like you said, like um, yeah. I mean, at that point in time, I could only afford like the key bears, the blind box, eight dollar <laughs> uh, artists designed vinyl toys. That's that's where my budget was. I'm mean, totally. not trying to date myself, but I was like eighteen, guys. So, 
No, man, props to you for like being interested in the arts and supporting the arts, buying somewhere, even in the form of a little toy or key or whatever. Yeah, yep. yeah. Mad props. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, and then like just even kind of that idea, like robot love, like that was another space that mm-hmm. um, I've really love. looked up to. Yeah. And I mean, and Chris, he showed a lot of um, some Christopher Knudsen, who was the owner of that space. He showed a lot of the similar artists, but more yeah. on the vinyl poster print side of things. Yeah, yeah, that was a great shop. That was awesome. Yeah. They were right next door to Subac, weren't they? Yeah, yep, before Subac moved. The original Subac. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, both of those... Um, you know, I don't want to say institution in a bad way, but you know, I feel like they totally were art institutions of our time. Yeah. Like that, those that helped inspire like the Gamut Gallery gift shop. Okay. Was to be able to have, you know, an $8 takeaway that an 18 year old might be able to afford. Um, or, you know, we have a thousand dollar piece that somebody with a larger budget and more wall space. Yeah. Can, and, and pick up but just creating that accessibility point and encouraging the, the thought process of artists for everyone mm-hmm. which I'd like to talk about because people really don't know how easy it is to collect it's just like well if you have two or something technically you're a collector technically so it's 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 that easy and it's just it's really exciting at Gamut to watch that young kid for example that might come in and purchase a eight dollar this that or other thing and then you know come back six months later or a year later and all of a sudden they want like you know 75 dollar original you know it was just it was with that that easy accessibility of like oh i can do this gives them the encouragement to come back and realize that anybody can collect isn't that amazing to see somebody for the first time realize that they can buy something and own it yeah something that touches them and is like you know that uh, that still blows me away watching that happen i know what, oh. well with your you collect artwork do you remember oh, your oh yeah <laughs> your first uh <laughs> should i say our, our addict is that the correct word <laughs> collector hi guys my name's cassie and i am cross addicted to art <laughs> um i like paintings i like illustration Oh, I like figurative. Uh, <laughs> and this is like the anti-intervention. Instead of trying to like, talk you out of your addiction, we're like, keep going, Cassie. And everyone listening, get into uh, this addiction now. Get into this addiction. It's a healthy addiction to have. It is. Um, Speaking of addictions, well, I guess you could say Northeast Minneapolis is sort of like the poppy fields of, well, all right, not sure I want to keep going down that metaphorical path, but Northeast Minneapolis is the home of the Northeast Minneapolis Arts District and the organization that is tasked with maintaining and protecting the district and the arts in Northeast. This organization's been responsible for a myriad of amazing programs and events, all with a focus on supporting and promoting the artists we love and admire here in our own neck of the woods. Be sure to check out everything this amazing organization does online at northeastminneapolisartsdistrict.org. Northeastminneapolisartsdistrict.org. Yep, yeah, we could maybe shorten that a bit, methinks. 
You can also find the link on the Rogue Buddha website. And by all means, while you're there, make a donation today to help them as they help the artists that we love. That again is at northeastminneapolisartsdistrict.org. So how did you start yourself collecting or how did this addiction begin? And what was, do you have a piece that for you was the first significant piece that really, really, uh, I guess, meant a lot or really hooked you? Yeah. Um, well, I started collecting because my mother has been a collector my whole life. And not necessarily a fine art, guys. She was just a collector of things. I think there's a TV show about that. <laughs> yeah. Of things. You know, it was just like, she loved elephants and she like really loved elephants. You know, she would just kind of like have a thing and really run with it. Um, awesome. But I, you know, I always, you know, growing up, I was the one that dusted all of these collections. And so... It just, it was inherent that I started doing it. Um, but my first art piece, yeah, I think I was 25, maybe 26. And I had been working at Cause, which was like this really cool rock and roll bar in Upstown yeah. for a while. Um, and there would be art shows there. So it was just constantly cycling new artists. And it's like, well, you're 25. What else do you want besides like rock and roll, booze, and art? It was killer. Um, and there was an art show. And it's terrible. I don't even know the artist's name. But he, there was this mixed media piece, which artists out there don't use the word mixed media. Put a little effort and just say what all of the elements are that you use. Um. <laughs> somebody has to type up these didactics and some of these artists get so detailed like uh, I mean I don't I don't even know about like the, the <laughs> eyelash that fell off into the piece but let's talk about the big things uh, coffee grains what? collected from Madagascar in 1943 <laughs> that I found in my grandfather's suitcase when we were moving him into the home, well, that just got dark. But yeah, now I kind of want to see what that art looks like. <laughs> it's heavy. Um, no, literally, it's just suitcases full of coffee grounds. Um, oh yeah, no. For those listening, this is normally how uh, Nick's and I's conversation goes. It's pretty much nonsensical, but we're here to have fun. Um, <laughs> back to the matter at hand. <laughs> the piece that I bought, I still own, actually, and it's in my um, upstairs in my bedroom. For those of you you don't realize, I guess I'm downstairs in my dining room. Weird <laughs> side note. Uh, <laughs> but it is a mixed media piece by an artist from Iowa. And it was paint and spray paint and stencil and collage. Okay. And there was just something about this piece. And I mean, I can't, I don't remember how much it was. I think it was like $200. Yeah. But, you know, that's at the time, that was like a lot of money to spend on some art. You know, it still sometimes can be okay. feeling like a lot of money to spend on some art. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Uh, yeah, and I purchased that piece. And it was my first art piece. And I have loved it ever since. 
Awesome. And um, yeah, that's that's what kicked it off as in my adult life. But of course, when you're running a gallery and you're constantly working with like 200 artists a year, it's really easy to develop an addiction. <laughs> you have access to a lot of stuff coming coming through your way. And yeah. I should say, as a side note, like you're downstairs, you're you're in your room and behind you, there's a wall oh. full of art behind you. Like, yeah, there's art everywhere there. I love it. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Oh, yep. Yeah, it's all over. Right in front of me is a prized possession, and this isn't a suck up to Nick, I promise. But I was able to finally get a Nicholas Harper piece oh. last October. Not this last one, but the year before when he was doing the 31 Nights of Halloween. I think I got it for Halloween. I don't think it was when you're doing it for Christmas. It was before, It was after Halloween. Okay. So doing, like, um, yeah, I was doing like art reveals every weekend leading up to Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Well, that to it's me is such, well, it was such a pinnacle moment for me because I once again, remember being about the same age of getting my first art piece and going to Northeast Social and oh, yeah. seeing your work Aww. in that restaurant and just swooning over your work. And so to finally own a piece of your work, I felt like that felt like I made it. I was Aww. like, oh my God, I finally <laughs> have a Nicholas Harper piece. Oh. <gasps> Life is complete. <laughs> That's sweet of you. I'll pay you um, for that. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> six creams, six sugars. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I get well, a let me ask you guys, because like, I'm assuming that and looking at what's behind you um, on the wall and what comes through your gallery, uh, it seems like your collection, what you collect, is, is uh, equally diverse as the shows that you have at Gamut. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like yep. You have a philosophy towards collecting or is there something no. that moves you or is it just piece by piece? Artist by artist? Yeah. Um, oh, I love talking about this subject because I really believe in it so much. Um, yeah, my art collection personally in my house is super diverse. I mean, notable abstract painters from artists that have been around for a while to um, ceramic doll heads without hair you know like awesome <laughs> i i also run the gamut with me art with with me artwork you hear i don't know why i just got irish that was weird but it happened <laughs> uh, it will pop out of nowhere um yeah but no i take like curation is something that is pretty serious even outside of the gallery practice for me like I have a lot of thoughts behind everything you know so most of the stuff in my main level is like digestible for people in the room so it's maybe like bright colors or soft figures or a lot of abstract works you know for like people that might be in my communal space but then you go upstairs to like where it's my my zone, my little art station area, and I have a salon wall, and it's just like weird ass portraits. Now that I want to see. <laughs> well, I like what's behind you now, but I want to see the, the taboo stuff. <laughs> I want to see the stuff that you don't want mom seeing. <laughs> 
Well, we'll take a little adventure up there because we're mobile. Um, uh, but yeah, when it comes to collecting art, and this is something that I just got to have a really cool conversation with a buyer that came into ga uh, Gamut on Saturday, but actually had never been in our space before. He'd been getting his hair cut next door for three years. Mm -hmm. oh. And um, there, oh, doing a little delay, guys. Oh, so that's awesome. Can, see what lives upstairs that's an awesome wall we got a michael blotty up there i got a black page by Afra, scott seekin it's kind of my like local heroes wall yeah yeah oh, i love the i love scott seekins i love everything on that wall oh yeah that by piece that came from you yay oh. yay wow. um totally makes such a difference when you see a house that doesn't have any art on the walls and then you see a, a wall like that and it's like oh that feels like a sanctuary or like a home yeah yeah it's 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 a zone that's for sure um but yeah going back to like why buy art and i'm a deep believer that art calls out to people like you can be walking by something and they'll just you watch people have this experience. I have this experience, but like you'll be walking by a piece of art and like you just have to go to it. Mm -hmm. You have to go to it. You have to look at it. You just, there's something about it that calls out to you and goes like, you have to be mine. Right. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes there's no rhyme, reason, or logic. You know, it might be an artist that you're familiar with, it might be an artist that you don't know. Um, it might be a subject matter that isn't normally your style, but maybe it's like the color palette or it's the way that the texture is happening or whatever it may be. So um, that art calls out to you and then you get to create a story, right? So the story might be how you found the art or the story might be that you met the artist that made the art. Or the story might be that you met a new friend while you were both looking at the art, right? Yep. So then not only are you buying an art piece, but you're also buying a story that comes along with that art piece. Mm -hmm. And what that does is give you the opportunity to then engage with another individual outside of that space as storyteller and listener, right? Which then you're like being able to dive into a deeper communication with somebody, you're making a deeper connection, um, and that's your story to tell over and over and over again, which is actually your opportunity to keep making new connections and building deeper relationships with the people around you. And then sometimes, you know, the art might be so like miraculous to somebody else, but then they go and tell that story. So yeah, that's why I, that's what I think art does. That's why I think art is so important. I'm right there with you. Like I, I've referenced the idea that it. To me, it's a window to the soul or a mirror of the soul of the individual um, who's who's experiencing it. It's like when you see something that touches you, it's like you're finding a part of your own puzzle piece that is your being. And you have to have that in order to, to put the puzzle together and to connect with whatever is already inside of you. But oddly, some stranger has made it 
that's the really bizarre point or part of it. And like you said, yeah. then it connects you to this other person. You know, that's a good segue because um, I wanted to ask in a lot of ways, we have a lot of weird overlap, um, mm -hmm. our galleries, but one of them that I think is super similar between the two of us is our focus or dedication to community and having that interpersonal experience, that personal experience and having people in the room um, experiencing art together and experiencing each other surrounded by art. Um, can you talk about like the importance of the brick and mortar gallery? Yeah, well, you know, it's a two-parter, right? So I think if you just are doing e-commerce and you've never had a brick and mortar location and you've never had those interactions with community individuals, you're fine, mm -hmm. you know? But where like our cases, um, like you said, it's such an intrinsic part of who we are. Uh, and, you know, to be completely honest, like, you know, you had mentioned this topic to me before and I didn't actually know how I was gonna respond to it. Well, COVID has taught me a lot. So not that we need to go into it, but like, it's been a hard AF year and trying to keep open a brick and mortar location while being closed or having to drastically reduce your capacity. And for those that haven't been to Gamut, an average opening at our gallery would be two to 400 people. Now we have 10 folks in at a time for 45 minute chunks. Yeah. Just, you know, just to like, just a little, to a picture. Yeah. little bit of a different vibe. And, um, you know, after COVID had, locked us down like we didn't actually open back up to the public until august having 10 people in the space felt huge mm -hmm. it didn't you know but there was just that that energy was missing their interaction between individuals um was missing uh you know people would come in and if they didn't know the people in the room they would wait until they were away from that piece that they were looking at for them to move to then go over there because you know we're all just really protective of our, of our spaces as we are like la learning to navigate our new uh climates that we're all in yeah and um it wasn't until we did our big holiday sale so we just came out of raging art on this december and so we were open like five days a week and people didn't have to have pre-sale tickets and that was the first time since last March. We're coming up on our one-year anniversary when we had our last giant public opening. Um, that it felt like the gallery. Like people were having their friends meet them there. People were laughing. People were running over to the other side of the room to show artwork to their friends. And it was like that moment alone showed me how important a brick and mortar establishment is. Yeah. Being able to create that engagement between people that you do not know is why Gamut is still here. Like that's that's why we do what we do. It's not so I can, you know, buff up my personal art addiction. Uh, <laughs> but it's to be able to like have those experiences with people and, you know, creating a brick and mortar space pre-COVID days we watch so many relationships develop between strangers. Like it's the, the ability to unite 
everybody when they walk through the doors because they all know that they're at the same place for the same reason yeah and so you're just like automatically like cool you're like oh cool you're here i'm here we're here to see this you must be cool who are you what do you do you know and like that is the reason why brick and mortars are so important is to be able to keep that connectivity alive and just like moving completely to e-commerce at that point you're just a business yeah not that there's anything wrong with being just a business by any means but like i i personally do not believe at that point are you any longer a gallery Mm -hmm. yeah yeah no i would agree i would agree and and it's not to take away from because i do think you know um the the online presence has removed a lot of barriers for artists a lot of gatekeepers um and i think that there's a lot of benefit to that but also i think um that doesn't take away at all from the the benefits that the gallery can provide one of them being that that community that that um oh that interpersonal relationship between the Mm -hmm. people there between the gallery owners and curators and directors and the artists um the level of expertise that can be given to people that are new to collecting um all of those things i think are are beneficial so i think there's room in the world for both to exist oh absolutely but i definitely think that that the gallery is invaluable um to any place and i've seen commercials of people that are you know trying to sell online stores stuff and they're like the galleries are done you don't need galleries and it's just like, mm, yeah. hey, you don't need to go to a restaurant either you can have you know it all brought to you and by a delivery person but that takes away that experience of dinner or going to a movie or any of these brick and mortar things you know yeah they're all yep. important. and we well, have to especially... fight for those i think yeah what I was going to say too, like when you're working with a gallery, you have a support team behind you, backing you in your work mm-hmm. and you are their number one priority. Yeah. Like, you know, and having people get introduced to you and your work and who you are, like that, that, yeah, that can happen from um, behind the screen. Like I, Gamut does both. We have an e-commerce yeah. shop and we show sell all of our work that's in the gallery through there as well as everything in the gift shop but then we also have open hours yeah Yeah. you know to be able to 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 have both or whatnot but that's the thing about a gallery is like a gallery works really hard with who they're working with because you know on gamatons like we believe in you if we're working together yeah like we we believe in what you're doing we believe in your sellability we believe in your ethos um you know there's just there's so much that goes along with that yeah that's huge i mean when you say the gallery is supporting and being behind that artist it's true and they put their money where their mouth is and so it's it's like yeah no this is somebody we think is credible worthy of being seen worthy of being purchased we're putting our money where our mouth is you know if the artist doesn't sell the gallery still has to pay for rent utilities employees everything else that went into supporting that exhibit so I think that's a huge, a huge thing. And not every, you know, artist is business savvy and wants to, you know, just because you have an Instagram doesn't mean you're going to be successful on Instagram or sell art through it. It's like, it takes yeah. a lot of business savvy, no matter what. 
so to have that kind of that kind of knowledge coming from the gallery i think is huge for the artist you know absolutely gallery. what advice would you have for artists that want to show um in galleries or uh I, you mentioned you work primarily with with emerging artists so what's kind of your what would you tell an emerging artist you know that wants to show in galleries yeah well let's say covid isn't a thing right let's pretend mm -hmm. things are, are back to how they used to be yeah we always used to encourage people like you want to show with us get to know us like come to come to go to the gallery events mm -hmm. get to know the gallery staff introduce yourself hang out like you know have the opportunity to connect with one another um and then you know start talking about your artwork i think that is the most number one thing you can do right and if you know say now we're in covid and that's not really an option if you're going to reach out to a gallery um make it easy for them to connect with you like don't just say hey my know my name is such and such this is my work let me know what you think like tell tell the story of who you are mm -hmm. you know like maybe talk about what some of those pieces mean to you um my god if you have social media handles or a website include that and if you're an emerging artist and you want to know what you need to do get us get a website and some social media handles <laughs> um because a presence you know presence helps yeah because not every time say you send an email is the director or the curator or the owner necessarily going to have the time or the bandwidth to answer it immediately, but it's really easy to click on an Instagram account, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, we're all, we got that two second memory. It feels like with photos right now that we can all flick through things so fast yeah. that it can just be that easy. Um, and how many creams and sugars was in my coffee? Six creams, six sugars. Remember guys, I said I'm cross addicted caffeine. Um, caffeine you and really want to get into a gallery show by the character's <laughs> food and coffee. Um, um, you know, while you were talking, that's like, what's that? Oh, I was going to keep going on about other things you can do. Oh yeah, go for it. Um, hi, I'm a Virgo. I'm also going to tell you everything that you can do to make your life better, even though you probably already know that you're on the right path. Uh, <laughs> the last one that is really important and, uh, you know, sometimes takes some work is pay attention to open calls. You know, I often like we do an open call once a year. Our open call is open for like four months. We haven't announced it yet. It's going to be launched this spring. Um, but that's such a great way to get your foot in the door because guys galleries usually have their shows planned out for two years farther than you think mm -hmm. so if you connect with the gallery and you're helping them to get into a show next year chances are they're probably going to tell them two years out from where you were asking is a realistic possibility which i think a lot of people don't know mm -hmm. um but so those open call shows, like that's an opportunity for you to get your foot in the door between planned exhibitions. And even if your work isn't selected for that open call show, it's still got in front of the curators. It's still got in front of the directors. Um, I've worked with individuals that didn't necessarily make it into our open call, but have not been able to stop thinking about their work. So we'll like blindly email them months later 
you know, reintroduce myself, tell them what I saw, that I really loved it, and that I have a show coming up, or I want to get them in the gift shop, um, and that, you know, like, that's just so cool, so it's also, like, don't get down if you don't necessarily get accepted to an open call, just take it for, like, cool, I just got visibility. Yeah, yeah. Which is huge. Totally. philosophical question you want to ask me Phil you touched on it earlier and I told you kind of my version um that art is like a window to the soul oh yeah 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 about art speaking to you I'm wondering if you have like a overarching philosophical idea of what art is or what art is about um or what the point of art is Mm. and if you don't that's okay too that is a deep one Well, I mean, I don't really think that you even have to necessarily dive that deep, right? Mm -hmm. Like art, art is emotion, art is feeling, art is connection, art is relevance, art is nonsense, Mm -hmm. art is history, art is future, art is past, art is present. I mean, I think that art encapsulates all of being, you know, all of being human, all about having an experience on this planet um i think art represents everything i like that it's kind of the gamut of existence wouldn't you know that'd be a good name for a gallery that shows art yeah you know actually so we spent i don't even know how much time we spent trying to come up with a name trying to name a gallery yeah trying to name a business period right Totally. Really pretty difficult to do. And um, one of Jade's friends had actually passed away. And in his obituary, he was an artist. And it was it was mentioned in his obituary that his art ran the gamut. Oh, wow. And she read that to all of us. And we were like, yep, we should totally be the gamut gallery. That's awesome. That's a good story. I like mm-hmm. that a lot. Cassie, this has um, been absolutely incredible. Um, I've enjoyed everything you have to say and learning about the the history of Gamut. And I really didn't know we had this much in common as galleries. I kind of feel like we're gallery soulmates, if you Yes. Um, So what do you have coming up at Gamut now, um, here in the near future, down the road? Oh, what a fun question. Um, There's a lot happening. I can actually give you like a quick synopsis of our whole 2021 calendar. Heck yeah. Which, We've cut back on a lot of exhibits. We actually are not opening with our first exhibit of 2021 until April 10th, which is huge for us. That's something we've never done before. Usually it's a two weeks into January and we are kicking things off, um, but we just kind of needed a little time to 
simmer down and try to collect ourselves and recharge. Um, so April 10th, we have partnered up with MPLS Art and they are amazing. They're some of my favorite people. I think that we talked about them earlier. Uh, if you are not familiar with MPLS Art, they are like your one-stop shop for what's going on in the Twin Cities art scene. Follow them on the gram, follow them on their site. Uh, Blaine in 2020 did, it's called the Minneapolis Sketchbook Project. So he reached out to artists and then it just kept growing and growing and growing until there were five traveling sketchbooks that made their way throughout the Twin Cities. And the sketchbooks feature our um, McKnight Fellow grant recipients to like super, super noob artists that don't even really have like uh, any sort of spotlight or even like hint of a light on the art scene. Through the sketchbook project that he had developed, he had reached out to me and asked if Gamut would do a pop-up exhibit just to show the books mm -hmm. before they go off to auction. And at Gamut, we like to kind of go big or go home. And so when he connected with me about that idea, I was like, well, let's just turn this into a full-length exhibit. Like, this is an amazing opportunity. And yeah. you know, as we've mentioned earlier in the podcast here, Minneapolis loves Minneapolis artists. Yeah, they love to support, yeah. they love to show up, um, they love to turn out for Minneapolis art. So I'm really excited. We did an open call to the 68 artists that participated in the sketchbook project uh, with room to show 35 due to space capacity limitations. So we will be having 35 artists creating one new work for the exhibit. The work can be based off of their sketchbook page or it can be totally free range yeah. um, and their only two requirements were that the work has to be available for under $500 mm -hmm. and that it can be no smaller than 12 by 12 inches and no larger than 24 by 24 inches. Okay. So wow. those, are the, those are the only two parameters because um, we yeah. you know, kind of help and push affordability with this show. So that's going to be amazing. That's coming up next month. We have a solo exhibition with muralist Reggie LaFleur mm -hmm. coming up um, in May slash June. We're working with Rodrigo Ornete, who is a um, artist from Guadalajara, Mexico that we have done a show with before. And he has curated an exhibition featuring muralists from Mexico, Chicago, and Minneapolis. Okay, very So that's coming up this summer. Then we have our annual call for work that I hope a lot of people listening will have submitted to. Mm -hmm. uh, followed up with another solo exhibit with Barrett Lee, who's an artist we've been working with for about five or six years that just has such a drive for what he does. Um, and then it's our Raging Art On. And that's it's your holiday show. Our big holiday show, yep. Awesome. And then well, we're not gonna think that far ahead because. We're just coming out of like <laughs> the tundra of snow covered in Minnesota. You know, so we'll think about the holidays in a few months. Yeah, it's scary to fast track that way, but as if you're running a gallery, this is how your brain goes. Yeah. Oh, well, and like you mentioned earlier, most artists don't understand, and I don't think a lot of people, you know, would even think about it, but galleries are booked out years in advance. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of reasons for that, you know, if you're even just thinking from a PR standpoint. You know, if you're trying to get into print um, for promotion or for articles and interviews, you know, magazines are months and months out. Yep. 
So you're kind of, we're at the mercy of a lot of different factors. Um, even though brick and mortar is obviously uh, the most important aspect of any gallery, uh, you do have a web presence. We do. You do. What is your website? Oh, what is our website? You can go to gametgallerympls.com. And um, that's where we will be listing all of our exhibitions coming up. That's where you can visit all of our events and exhibits that have happened in our past, starting to day, we're dating back to day one of June 2012. Um, that also like links you up to our shops. You can see the artists that we are currently featuring in the gift shop and the house collection. We have over 55 artists that we currently represent. Okay. which is really exciting and that's constantly changing so every six months it kind of will rotate in new individuals so we keep it fresh okay and then people can sign up for your email online as well there yeah yep and we are not spammy because i don't know about you guys but emails are daunting especially now more than ever in addition to the website you also maintain instagram yeah, yes. Um, we're on all the socials. You can find I us on Facebook. You can find us on Insta. Okay. Uh, our Insta connects right to our shop as well. So if you see images that are in our feed, you generally can just tap that image and it will link you right to our website if it's something that you're interested in. Awesome. Um, you know, we did talk about brick and mortars and how important they are, but I did also mention that like Gamut does both. So um, outside of hosting in-person events and exhibits, uh, e-commerce is huge for us and it's kind of what's been primarily keeping us afloat during COVID. Awesome. Well, I don't want to keep you too much longer because I know A, you have a block party to plan. Hint, hint, hint. <laughs> Bring it back. Bring it back. Uh, and then also you have a gallery tour to plan uh, for all the galleries in Minneapolis and the Twin Cities. <clears throat> hint, hint. Well, I, I thought that they were supposed to reach out to you, Nick. I thought, I thought that's what that was. It was one large coffee, six creams, six sugars, and you reach out to Nicholas Harper, this fantastic host we've been listening to over the past hour, to make this dream a reality. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, Cassie, I want to uh, thank you again for being on the show today. It's been a, a huge um pleasure just chatting with you and finding out so much more about you and so much more about Gamut and the artists that you show and uh, what you have coming up in the future. So I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you on April 10th at the opening and, uh, and I look forward to seeing you in person soon. Same to you, Nick. It's been great. Thank you for having me. As always, I love our conversations and um, it's fun to lift the veil for people. So I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to do that with you. Totally, totally. See, it's not that bad how the sausage is made, at least within galleries. Politics, <laughs> nah. Within galleries, it's not so bad. It's not so bad. No. Oh, well, thank you. And um, thank you to everybody that's listening. Uh, I hope to see you around. Introduce yourself if you happen to listen to this. I love meeting new people. Awesome. Thank you much, Cassie. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
I have to say, listening to the eloquence with which Cassie talks about the value of buying and collecting art, and what art is, and what the value of brick and mortars are, well, it's music to my ears. And frankly, I can't wait to go buy another piece of art myself. The passion by which Cassie talks, and the fact that she does so while surrounded by a beautiful collection of work that she's built up over the years, just goes to reinforce this notion that art is really a part of us in some sort of transcendental way. Of course, it doesn't have to be that heavy, and we don't necessarily have to approach art with the sort of fanaticism or zeal that I might approach it with. It can be as simple as, hey, I like it, or it speaks to me, and that's all it ever really needs to be. Now, I do want to make a quick note on today's episode. A couple of things were omitted from this episode, fairly important things. Namely, we didn't really get into the effects of COVID on her gallery and the shutdowns, nor did we talk about the effects of what happened to George Floyd and the subsequent riots and destruction that swept through our fine city. The Gamma Gallery is fairly close to ground zero of where everything took place, and Cassie's home is even closer. Well, we delved into these issues at some length. In fact, our recorded conversation for this episode, it spanned some six hours. Ultimately, however, I felt that I wanted to keep this episode fairly on point as to issues surrounding gallery life in general and the arts in general, as was my original intention when I first brought it up to her pre-COVID and pre-riots and what have yous. That said, I've spoken with Cassie about it, and a part two episode may be released in the near future. This episode will highlight our conversation as it pertained to, well, COVID, Floyd, the riots, etc., And that is a wrap for this episode of Art Wonderful, coming to you from deep inside the Rogue Buddha Gallery. I want to thank you for joining me, and I hope you do so again and often. And please, feel free to share this podcast with your art-loving friends, or for that matter, your non-art-loving friends as well. Until next time, remember, the best life is the creative life, and the best self is the artistic self. Cheers. Time for a bonus question. Do you do a lot of traveling yourself outside of Minneapolis to different cities? And if so, do you have a favorite gallery outside of Minneapolis? Or oh, That's a really awesome question. Um, I do not travel as much as I want to. I mean, none of us are really traveling these days. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Gallery F in Chicago is my favorite gallery to go to when I go there. They show artwork that's like really in the same vein as uh, Gamut and they kind of have more of a robot love appeal. So they still are like selling the vinyl toys and the gift shop and mm-hmm. um, it's kind of, it, feel, it feels like home. That's like you just gallery, F. That gallery F in Chicago. 